Hey, all you wiretappers out there, it's good to be back here in the studio with you. Gangland Wire is going right on. Retired Intelligence Sergeant Gary Jenkins here. And I have on this, as if you're on YouTube, you can see on the screen, Michael Bezzioni. Is that correct, Michael? That's correct. All right, great. And, uh, you know, Michael, I, I know if you're on social media at all, you've been mob stuff. You've seen this book. We've seen it come up. A lot of people are sharing this about Luigi the Zip, <laughs> and he is the author of this book. So, Michael, first of all, tell us a little bit about yourself, how you got okay. interested in, you know, what your you know work history. I know a little bit about it, but tell these guys about your work history and then how you got interested in writing these uh, mob books. Sure. Uh, first of all, thank you, Gary, for having me. It's, uh, it's a pleasure to be here. And um, and I I have been involved in law enforcement um, probably for well over 40 years. I, I started way back in 1973 in the Brooklyn District Attorney's Office after I graduated from law school. And, um, and I wound up leaving um, after, after about seven and a half years to go into first the police department as, as an attorney for the New York City Police Department. And then after that, my own law practice for 10 years. At that point, the district attorney in Brooklyn, um, a guy by the name of Joe Hines, Charles Joe Hines, uh, had been elected and um, and was looking to to expand the trial aspect of the office. He had he had come up with this this idea of dividing the borough, uh, the Brooklyn uh, uh, County of Brooklyn or County of Kings into into five separate areas and, and went police precincts in those five separate areas was served by different bureaus in the in the office. And um, so the people who were working, the ADAs who were working in those bureaus got to know the police officers, detectives, the informants, uh, the bad guys. And um, and he needed someone to try cases and asked me if I wanted to come back. And I did. Before I came back, I was promoted to deputy chief of the homicide bureau. Then I was promoted to homicide chief at uh, about three months later, then chief of trials. And ultimately, in, 19, in 2001, just before 9-11, I was promoted to chief of the rackets division, um, and I retired from the office in 2013 as chief of the rackets division and first deputy district attorney. And, um, and all those years, uh, Gary, I was trying cases myself, in addition to being a supervisor. Wow. Um, I, I wouldn't ask people to do what I wouldn't do. And, um, and I wrote homicide duty going out to talk to pre to witnesses and defendants and precincts in the middle of the night. I did all of that stuff. And, um, and it was a, it was, I have to say that it was, uh, it was a very rewarding, um, career. I, I really loved what I did. And, um, and I was sorry that the DA lost his election in 2013 yeah. <laughs> because I probably wouldn't be talking to you today if, if he had, if he hadn't, I'd be still working. So, um, but to get back to Luigi, um, the, the book is called Homicide is My Business. And the subtitle is Luigi the Zip, a hitman's quest for honor. So how did I meet Luigi? I was a back in my first stint in the DA's office while I was in the Homicide Bureau, I, I was at that point when I met him, I was I was the, probably the most experienced homicide prosecutor that we had. And um, and I was, you know, I was doing some work one day and I get a call in my office from my boss and he tells me that he wants me to come into his office. He's got somebody he wants me to uh, to meet. 
And uh, I go in there and there were two detectives from the uh, Brooklyn Homicide Squad who had come into the office. I didn't see them walking in, so I hadn't seen um, who they brought in. And they had brought into the office this guy, Luigi Roncesvalli. <clears throat> and um, the reason they had him is that he had um, several, I guess, several months before, had turned himself into the FBI. Um he had, and I'll get into why in a second, but he had, um, he, he had an open Brooklyn homicide case. And after the FBI had gotten through debriefing him and giving and getting everything they wanted from him, um, <clears throat> they turned him over to the NYPD because of this open case. And the NYPD debriefed him. He confessed to them, uh, to this, to this homicide, to this murder. And, um, but they knew that he had a lot more information. Now, the NYPD was not going to keep this guy on, uh, you know, in, in protective custody yeah. and, and waste all kinds of manpower. So who did they come to? They came to the DA's office <laughs> and said, listen, this guy's got a lot of information. Why don't you guys take him and um, and you're going to deal with this case in any event? So the homicide that was open was a case that was assigned to me. And um, and and when I walked into my boss's office, he told me this story that the DA's the, uh, cops had this, this informant who had been a hitman, And he said, it's the new corner case. He's the guy in the new corner. That's where this homicide occurred in a restaurant in Brooklyn called the new corner restaurant, oh, an Italian restaurant. And, and, um, and he said, you know, this guy's Italian from Sicily. You're Italian. He's yours. You deal with it. <laughs> so that's how I got involved with him. And, um, and I, I had the, the detectives bring him into a conference room in, in our area of the office. And when he walked in, I couldn't believe it. I said to myself, this guy can't be a hitman. He looks like a, you know, he looked like somebody who walked in, you know, like a plumber or something. He was, he was uh, just an ordinary looking guy. He looked like a, he was built like a bowling ball. He was as tall as he was heavy. And, um, and I sat him down and, uh, and I, I said to him, you know, I don't know anything about you. We're going to get to know each other, but you look like you're hungry. He said, yeah, I am. And he said to me in Italian that he was eating shit in the Brooklyn house of detention. He used the, the Italian word, merite. So I said, okay, what do you want to eat? So I told him, he said to me, I, I want a veal cutlet Parmesan hero and I want a bottle of beer. <laughs> Gary, that was the key was the to key. opening up his his information. <laughs> I provided him with that every time he came into the office for the next yeah. several months. And I got more information out of him than I ever hoped to get. And as a result of it, uh, you know, as a result of everything I learned, and, and then I turned them over to um, to another squad in the police department. Then he went to jail for the homicide, but he got a very, very uh, good sentence because of his cooperation. Mm -hmm. While he was in jail, he this, learned. I'm sorry. This, this first murder, I mean, was it obvious like a, a, a mafia connected murder or what? What was the, the one reason? that I had? Yeah, that first murder yeah. that you brought him yeah. in on. It, what was it, the story with that? Well, I'll tell you, it, it, was, it was fairly obvious um, because of the location. And because of the people involved, um, what what it was, and that was not his first homicide, by the way, that was that yeah. was in the middle. His first homicide in Brooklyn was I'll tell you about in, in a bit. 
he had already done several homicides in Sicily. He was part of the Sicilian mafia, not a made man, which is why he came to the United States. But he had been working for a big mafia uh, capo in Sicily and had been doing hits in Sicily as well. This case was uh, had all the earmarks. And when you look back on it now, you realize that we were right. The, 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 the victim was a chef in, in that Italian restaurant, the New Corner restaurant. And the story goes, and Luigi tells me this story very uh, graphically and vividly, that uh, the chef who he called Enzo, I think that was his nickname. I forgot his real name. I have it in the book, but I don't recall it right now. He said this guy was raping his own niece. He had been having sex with his niece for, for a long time until the niece had finally had enough and went to her family. Mm. Um, and they lived out in a section of Brooklyn that is um, that many mobsters live in. It's uh, the section is called Bensonhurst. And um, and they were they had friends and inroads in the Gambino family. They knew that yeah. that, um, you know, that this guy needed to be taken care of. And they went to the Gambinos, mm-hmm. told them the whole story. And the Gambinos said, we'll take care of it. Yeah. They got a hit man to go it, to the restaurant. This this is old country stuff here. Oh, yeah. Man. This is oh, yeah. old school, old country stuff here. Yeah. This is they, the mafia at its finest. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. They 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 got a hitman and and he went to the restaurant. But when he shows up at the restaurant, he sees that there are police cars outside, detective cars, some some radio cars, and he takes off. He says, I'm not doing this. I'm gonna get caught and I'm I'm gone. Yeah. That was loss of face for the Gambinos, by the way. Yeah, but yeah. but the re- but he didn't know this that the cops were there because the food was so good that they were there <laughs> eating they weren't there for any investigation or anything of that nature. <laughs> so there was a there was cooperation among the Bonanno family, which is what Lu- who Luigi was attached to, and the Gambino family. And there was a particular individual who who kind of acted as liaison between the two families. He went to Luigi, who he knew. And said, I have this job for you. Do you want it? And Luigi listened to what was thought, what the story was. And he said to him, not only will I do it, but it'll be essentially my pleasure to do it. Mm -hmm. Luigi's whole mantra from the time that I met him was that anyone that he killed deserved to be killed. And that he didn't do the killing. He didn't. He wasn't the one responsible. It was the guy that paid him. Who, who was responsible. <laughs> so he took the, he took the, um, the hit <coughs> at a discount. And, um, and he, he went to the restaurant because he didn't know what the guy looked like. He didn't know anything about the restaurant where Luigi lived for your listeners and for your viewers was in the Northern part of Brooklyn. Um, this restaurant was in the Southern part of Brooklyn and Brooklyn's a big mass uh, uh, mm-hmm. land area. So it's, it's like being instead of being in France as opposed and 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 Italy or France and Germany, it might as well be, you know. So he found out he, he went to the restaurant, did a little surveillance, which was what his thing was. And um, and he kind of wandered into the kitchen just to see what the what the lay of the land was and if the guy was there. And he walked in and he he said, I'm looking for Enzo. In this broken English, he's relaying the story for me. He must have said it in Italian to them. Um, 
And they say, Enzo, Enzo, not here. Enzo is in Sicily. I said, okay. So he left. And he then went back every week or so for a month, month and a half, maybe even two months. Finally, um, he, one day he goes in and he says, you know, looking for Enzo. And he said, Enzo's still in Sicily. His mama died. So he's staying there for a long, longer period of time. About two or three weeks after that, instead of going, he makes a call to the restaurant and he asks, is Enzo there? And they say, yeah, Enzo, he's here. He came back from Sicily. Everything is OK. You know, sorry for his mother dying, that kind of thing. He said, OK. He still didn't know what Enzo looked like. <laughs> so what he did was he got his Gambino uh, compatriot to pick up the young woman, put her in a car. Luigi and he sat in the car across the way from across the street from the entrance to the kitchen where Enzo worked and where he would come to work around four o'clock in the afternoon. <coughs> Excuse me. So they were sitting there and like clockwork, Enzo showed up. The young woman said, that's him. Mm-hmm. He said, OK, they took the woman home that night. The Gambino guy picks up Luigi, gives him a gun. They walk to the restaurant. He walk. They go to the restaurant. He waits outside. Luigi goes in, and he just simply says, "Enzo, Enzo here." He goes. Some of the someone else in the place said, "Yeah, yeah, he's over there. He's over by the stove." He goes up to him. He said, "You, Enzo? Yeah, I'm Enzo. Who are you?" Takes out a gun. He said, "I blasted him right in the head. Yeah. Fell down. I hit him again." Goes out to his car. Gets in the car. Gives the gun to the Gambino guy. Drive. He drives him to his car now. And he does what he did after every hit in New York. He drove to Atlantic City so that the heat would die down. And then in a few days, he would come back and hopefully everything was okay. So that is the that's the hit that was the open homicide that he came in uh, with the cops uh, after confessing to it when the FBI debriefed him. Um, I guess it was several months before. Did, so, did they have um, something else on him? What, what yes. Did they- yeah. So here's here's how he gets to the FBI. After doing several hits for the Bananos, the Gambinos, he gets a call one day from his this same guy. His name is uh, Mirable. It was the guy's last name. He says, "I want you to come to meet meet my meet me at my house. I want you to meet a guy." He was an international criminal. His name was Michele Sindona. Sindona was the criminal who was responsible for the fall of several banks in Italy and had co-opted Pope John, I'm sorry, Pope Paul VI into allowing him to run the Vatican Bank, which he basically caused to, to collapse as well. He came to the United States and he got involved with a bank out on Long Island, not far from, from where I live, actually, here called the Franklin National Bank. And he caused that collapse. Now, how did he do this? Well, he was using the bank for his own as his own piggy bank, essentially. He was stealing from them. He was money. He was laundering money in Italy as well as here for the mob. He was involved in drug deals. I mean, he was just a, a really bad guy, but he was in a he was in a, a very, very quote unquote, well-respected financier in Italy, except that when he committed the crime of when he got involved with the collapse of the the bank, several of the banks in Italy, 
and a new pope came in who put the authorities onto him. First of all, they had to get rid of Pope John Paul I. He was taken care of, actually murdered, mm-hmm. my opinion. I've heard um, and 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 he was indicted in Italy for the fall of these banks. Mm-hmm. He came to the United States. He was indicted for the fall of the Franklin National Bank. So Gary, he had a problem in Italy and he had a problem in the United States. The Southern District of Manhattan, the Southern District of New York, which is centered in uh, lower Manhattan, yeah. is the is the U.S. attorney that indicted him. So um, he knew he had a problem. He knew. And in his warped mind, the only way to take care of the problem was to get rid of the prosecutor in Italy and get rid of the prosecutor in New York <laughs> who were handling the case. He thought that if he killed both of them. That by the time the, each office got back to, you know, hire, put someone else on the case, they got up to speed. It would have been a year, two years, and a lot of things can happen, and he would have been probably gone somewhere else. Mm-hmm. So he um, he goes to the Gambinos, and they tell him that we have somebody because they were Luigi was at this point a primo hitman. He had done jobs for everybody, and he and he was successful in all of them. So he goes to meet this guy, Sindona, and sits down with him. And Sindona tells him what he wants done. And he says to him, and Luigi was hurting for money at this time. He says to him, um, I'm going to pay you $100,000. I want you to hit this prosecutor slash judge in Italy. And I want you to hit the prosecutor in the in Manhattan, the, the, the U.S. attorney, assistant U.S. attorney. And he says, and in the Manhattan case, because I'm here in the United States, once he's down and you kill him, I want you to stuff his pockets with drugs so that it looks like it was a drug hit and it doesn't come back to me. <laughs> so Luigi doesn't answer him right away. He talks to he talks to his boy Mirable and he says to him, I, I, I can't do that. I'm not doing that. <laughs> really? He said he said to me, he said, Mike, if I kill a prosecutor in New York, that's it. I'm done. I have yeah. a family. I, I can't. I couldn't do it. So he tells this. Gary, this international criminal, he tells him, no, I'm not doing it. Uh, I'm not doing it. That was the beginning of the end for Roncesvalli and, and the mafia. He had sensed over the course of several uh, months and, and even a year up to that point that things were not going according to the way he wanted them to go. You know, that he recognized that the Sicilian mafia was much different than the American mafia. And he claimed to me that the American mafia had had no morals, believe it or not. <laughs> killing killing people in Sicily, he thought it was moral. In the United yeah, States, yeah. he said, they, you know, they, they don't honor, you know, they're not honorable men, et cetera. <laughs> so he, he, he's hurting for money, as I said before. And he, he re- arranges, after he tells Sindona no, he arranges, he hears about a, a, a robbery that he's told is a sure thing. Every, I think it was every Friday, Friday or, or Thursday, I don't remember, a, a courier, money courier, shows up at a, at a place in Queens, collects the money, brings it out in a bag to the armored car, and they take off. And it's usually around $30,000, $40,000, which was a pretty good hit him so yeah. he he get he and two other guys drive to the location in queens new york and they sit and sure enough the, the courier comes out of the business luigi tells me though he says but mike it was no man it was a woman 
He said, I know kill, I can't rob no woman. He said, that's no, that does in Sicily, that's that's no, we don't do that. But I'm but I'm stuck. I need the money. So he robs her, takes the bag, <laughs> he opens it on the way to where they were gonna count it is three thousand dollars in oh, the bag. Oh God, but the cruelest blow of all. <laughs> one other thing happens. Apparently, there were witnesses and the police. Uh, apparently knew who followed the car. When they got to this location, they were surrounded by police cars. Luigi's arrested. Mm-hmm. He gets bail set on him for only 500 bucks. Mm-hmm. He says, I have to get out. He says, for two reasons. One, I can't ever get on the stand because he knows what will happen to him in terms of the mafia killing him because he has too much information. And he says, more importantly, I will lose face. I can never admit to robbing a woman if my family hears about it hmm. I, I i can never face them again that that was his thinking so who does he call who he, the only money source he knew at that point i don't know i still don't understand it he called sindona and he says to sindona <laughs> you got to put up my bail sindona basically says no, forget it yeah i'm not doing it luigi says no no you got to do it and he kind of hints that maybe if he doesn't do it, this yeah. he's going to have a problem. <laughs> Sindona doesn't do it. He gets out of jail by getting his brother-in-law to put 500 bucks up. And when he gets home, he makes a call to Sindona. And he says to him, I want $30,000. I want to get out of the country and everything will be good for you. You'll be, you'll be okay. <laughs> Sindona says, again, no. Yeah. Luigi knew that that meant that Sindona was going to kill him. It's going to have him killed. So instead of waiting around and getting killed, he walks into the ninth, the, the ninth precinct in Manhattan, inside <laughs> of lower Manhattan, and he walks up to the desk officer and he says to him, I want to talk to the FBI. And the FBI kept them, debriefed them, gave up the whole Sindona thing to them. And then they brought him to us with the um, for the homicide. So, so that's he's lucky that death sergeant didn't or get a clerk did just said get out of my station here. Yeah, <laughs> just get yeah. out of here. I can see yeah. that happening. <laughs> uh, oh, absolutely, you could have. Absolutely, look. You know, he told me that they didn't come right away. The FBI didn't rush down there to you know to yeah. talk to this guy. So, um, so he so at this point, you know, I'm I'm in the office. Probably, as I said, maybe seven years. And um, I had done many, many homicide trials, but I hadn't really been involved with a hitman before. You know, I had been involved with a lot of guys who did hits, but they were, you know, the run of the, I, I hate to say this, but the run of the mill homicide, you know, the kind of a robbery in a store and a, yeah. the poor store owner gets killed, that kind of thing. So I, um, I, 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 but I love the idea that I was now going to have this guy and, and debrief him and, and find out what he knew. So I, I started to, when he told me about the Sindona name, which he told me initially, because I found out how he got there, I did research on Sindona. And, and every time he came back to the office, he meaning Francis Valley to, to, to tell me more things, I had learned more things. So I was educating myself yeah. while he was educating, you know, um, we hit, I'm, I, I just, again, I, it's strange to say this, but we really hit it off. I mean, we really hit mm-hmm. it off. I mean, the idea that I had hit it off with this with this criminal, this Sicilian hitman 
if I had gone home to tell my my grandmother or my grandfather or my father and mother that I, what I was doing, they would have said, are you crazy? You know, I, they, I, but in any event, um, so I learned all about Ronson's Folly and, uh, and, and I discovered the book subtitle says Hitman's Quest for Honor. Where that comes from is he tells me about his time in Sicily. He was born and raised in a town called Catania which is on the east coast of, of, of Sicily. That had a mafia uh, uh, contingent, but the real heavyweight mafia in Sicily was centered in Palermo, the capital, up in the north coast. But Catania had there had, had a guy who was running things. His name was Rapisardi. And he, um, he had a, I, I think it was sort of like a coffee shop cafe kind of place in, in Catania. And Luigi wanted to meet him in the worst way. Why? Because he wanted to become a made man. And when he later testifies years later in front of Ronald Reagan's Commission on Organized Crime, which we set up for him, he told the senator, when the senator asked him about his beginnings, how he got into this, he said, Senator, in America, young boys want to play baseball. In Sicily, young boys want to be mafia, and that was that was his that was his way of telling him that I wanted to do this my entire life. But it didn't work out, so it didn't. It wasn't so easy coming. Um, he was a if you see the you see the book, you see the picture of him. He was a schlubby looking guy. Yeah. I can't imagine that 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 Rapsardi thought that this was a guy that was his the answer to his prayers to become you know the the next Don on the island. So <laughs> he um, but he works his way into Rapsardi's um, confidence, and Rapsardi starts giving him these young you know these these small jobs, or these small mafia jobs. That means collecting money for guys that that didn't pay him loan shark money, gambling money, um, little, uh, uh, kind of, uh, I guess disagreements among citizens that they had been using the mafia to settle yeah. for, for decades. Yeah. And he does, he does a good job. He does a good job. So Rapisardi one day says to him when he keeps hounding him, basically when, am I, you know, I, I can do more, I can do more. Rapisardi says, I have a job for you. A businessman in Milan, Italy, owed Rapisardi money, wasn't paying. Rapisardi wanted him hit. Now, you might say, well, how's he going to collect his money if he, if he hits the guy? You know why he did it? He wanted to send a message to anybody else who owed him money that if you screw with me, this is what's going to happen. So he gives Luigi the guy's name, tells him gives him the, as much information as he can. Luigi has to do all this research and then he has to learn <laughs> and figure out how to get to Milan. So he, he, he finds out that you take the ferry from Catania across the Adriatic to Naples or thereabouts. Naples, there's a train station. You get on the train from there, you go north to Milan, and which is what he did. And how does he, he, he finds out where the guy lives he finds out where he works. And this is his MO from that from this point on in terms of his hits. And he surveils him. He surveils him for as long as it takes for him to feel comfortable about finding a spot to, to kill him. And um, and one 
morning he did. He found it. I mean, no, not one morning. He found the spot. And then one morning he he shot and killed this this businessman. Now he has to reverse all of the trek back to Catania. When he gets back, it's late. He goes home. In fact, he lied to his wife. He didn't even tell his wife what was happening because he didn't want to tell her that he was going to murder somebody. He brought a, a bouquet of flowers for her when he got home <laughs> and said, you know, I said that Senora Apisardi had me do some business. We call those doghouse roses. Yeah. <laughs> so the next the next day he goes to the he goes to the to the social uh, to the coffee shop. Rapisardi is there. He gets he pays him, and then he shows him something. It's the Italian newspaper. Yeah, from the mainland. And the guys, the hit was in the newspaper. <laughs> Gary Luigi thought that he had died and went to heaven. This is exactly what he was looking for. Exactly, and, and he didn't so get Rap- made behind that. Yeah, yeah. But so he was mad he about that. So now Rapisardi knows that he's a, he's a guy that's competent and gives him another hit in Rome. <laughs> he kills, I don't know how familiar you are with Rome, but he kills this guy at the Trevi Fountain Ooh, in Rome. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's like yeah. tourist heaven. Tourists all over the place. 24 hours a day, probably yep. lots of times. But you know what he told me? It was actually good for him because he blended in then uh, with yeah. the tourists and he was able to to get away and back to Sicily. So he does several more hits for Rapisardi. Hmm. While this, and you may ask, well, what is he doing? You know, is he working? Does he have a job? He did. He worked on the railroad in Sicily. I don't know what his role was, but he worked on the railroad. And um, and and he gets into a dispute with some guy who was, didn't like him and mm-hmm. was talking behind his back. And, um, and honor and respect were huge for Luigi. Yeah. And he told me that um, he said, I, I, I could not let that stand. He, he, I, lo- I couldn't lose face. And he wound up killing this guy. It's the it's one time he in Sicily and one time in the United States that he did a, a hit for himself. Hmm. Kills. Him. Finally, at some point, he's, he said, you know, I, I'm not getting made. He goes to Rapisardi and he says, you know, what about this? What, what, when am I going to be become a man of honor? That's what he, they called it over there. Yeah. Episodi says, oh, I don't know. You know, you got to wait your turn. And he tells him, but I got I got something for you. You need to go move, go to the United States in Brooklyn. They're looking for people like you. And the American mafia, you'll get made faster than you would here. And he says, and you know what? You use my name when you get to a place called a place in Brooklyn called Knickerbocker Avenue, which was the center of the gam of the Bonanno family. Oh, yeah. That's where they 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 had their op- operations. So he um, he Luigi didn't know why. Why would did they want him? Why would why would is that was that a good place? Well, give a little background. Well before this, years before. Joe Bonanno, who was the head of the yeah. Bonanno family, and his number one lieutenant, a guy named Carmine Galante, who was a big, who was big into the drug, uh, into drug dealing, even though quote unquote the mafia doesn't deal drugs, which is total crap. That's, that's just not the case. Yeah. Yeah. They went to Sicily and they 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 established a kind of a pipeline that ultimately became the French connection. Yeah. Um, and um, and when but Bonanno and Galante knew that if 
they were not going to share with the other families in the drug proceeds, which they couldn't and wouldn't do. Yeah. And the other families found out about it. Well, it was going to be a war. So they needed soldiers. So they recruited these zips. Okay. And the zip title comes from the American mafia kind of looking down on these guys like Luigi coming from Sicily who don't speak English, who speak very fast, who they say use different kind of guns, which they call zip guns. So the name kind of evolved and became a derogatory term for these guys that were being imported from Sicily to be the strong arm people for the Bonanno family. So that's how Luigi, but he had a legitimate passport. He comes to the United States with his family. He finds his compatriots who had come before him. They find an apartment for him and his family, and he sets himself up near Knickerbocker Avenue. Now he has to repeat, Gary, the entire process all over again, because <laughs> when he shows up at the coffee shop or the social club, they say, essentially, who are you? Get out of here. You're nothing but a zip, essentially. So he does the same thing. He buys his time, buys his time. And one day he finally goes in and he sees a guy sitting at a table with a with a espresso coffee in front of him reading the Italian newspaper. And he describes him to me. He said, Mike, he's dressed in a beautiful suit, a beautiful tie. And and this is a big thing for him. And shoes, his shoes were were just beautiful. Luigi was a big, big into the into the into the shoes. Yeah. He said, I know in my mind, that's the guy I have to speak to. So he walks up to him. And it's a guy named Dequana, Pino Dequana. And um, Pino Dequana was the second in command of the Bonanno Enterprise in Nick on Knickerbocker Avenue. The, the head guy was a guy named Peter Lakata. He ran the uh, Gambino activity. I'm sorry, the Bonanno activities uh, and and. <laughs> and operations in Nick, on Knickerbocker Avenue. But Dequano was the guy that Luigi approached. And after being dismissed again, get lost, he went back and he went back and he finally said, can I buy you a drink? And Dequano must have been, I don't know, it was the day that he was felt that he wanted to do something for this guy and he told him to sit down. And Luigi uses the name Rapisardi from says, I'm here. I'm up. And he tells him this whole story. And the Quana says, okay, I, I got some work for you. And he gives them the same kind of crap work that the other guy did. Yeah. Go collect debts, go do this, sweep the, the, sh the, uh, the social club, that kind of stuff. <laughs> it, it doesn't, it really doesn't sit with him as obviously he said, I'm not going to get made if I do this, but the Quana in, uh, introduces him to a guy who he says he should partner with and he'll learn how to do the things that need to be done in order to become a made guy. And, and it was a guy named um, uh, Laporta. His name was um, Paolo Laporta. Laporta was kind of on the same level with Luigi in terms of the way that he was thought of by the, 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 the people in charge. But he was a little higher. He thought that that meant that he was, you know, the king and the boss of, of Luigi. And he was also he saw how how well Luigi did his work. He collected the money. Well, he brought it back. He did everything right. Laporta got jealous, thought that they were going to basically 
move him aside for Luigi. Mm-hmm. So he tells him that he, he he gets Luigi one day and he says to him, I want you to meet me tonight, uh, this afternoon at the, at the club. We're going to go to another part of Brooklyn. There's a guy who owns a drugstore there who owes Senor Dequana money. And we're going to collect from him. We're going to rob him and get the money and give it to Dequana because he owes it to him. So Luigi meets him. They drive in, in Dequana's car. I'm sorry, um, in Laporta's car. And he points out to get the drugstore. He says, that's the place. And he gives him a gun. And says, you go in, in. <laughs> rob the place. So he walks in. He announces the robbery. The, the, the druggist looks up behind the counter, reaches under the counter and pulls out, I think, a 45 and starts <laughs> shooting at him. He said to me, Mike, it's a good thing the guy's a bad shot. He says, I'm dead. He says, I'm dead. I, I, I know be able to, to collect the money. I run outside because he had to get out of there. Laporta had taken off on him. Yeah. Taken off. It was a setup. It was a setup. Oh, he oh, he was see. basically setting up Luigi to be killed. Because oh, Laporta knew that the guy had had a gun. Yeah, yeah. So he walks back to gets back to Knickerbocker Avenue, and he's now looking to kill Laporta, who's a, who's a, one of their guys. Mm-hmm. They calm him down and they tell him, "We'll see you tonight. Come to the club tonight." Well, Laporta and he make make peace. <laughs> Laporta, I said, "Did he? What did he do?" He said, "He he gave me." Half of what we would have stolen from the guy in the drugstore <laughs> as a peace offering. So let me just tell you. So they become pretty good. They become pretty good, pretty good partners. Oh, really? And I'll tell you about two things. One thing that's that's very important. It fits into the kind of the idea of the Sicilians coming to the United States is that most of them couldn't get passports to come to the United States. Mm-hmm. The, the, the bananas were forging passports. In Brooklyn, and Luigi and uh, Laporta's job was to drive to the Canadian border, because they had legitimate passports. Go into Canada, where they would meet all these zips, mm-hmm. hand out all of these forged passports to them, and then those guys would make their way into the United States and down to Brooklyn. And he said it was very successful. We made a lot of money. He told me how much. I don't remember exactly how much they told me how much for every passport that he delivered. He he was making good money. So things were going well. And and so Laporta says to him one other time, we got to go upstate New York to a small town. There's a guy up there who, again, owes, uh, I think it was maybe Lakata at this time, the boss money. So they say, he said, I said, what happened? He said, go up, up to this small town in upstate New York, rural at this point. And it was it was nighttime. And um, they drive into the town and he points out the pizzeria that the owner, that the guy owned that uh, that they had to collect from. So Luigi says the place is closed. I don't, I don't know what he's doing. He says, well, you you just follow me. They break. Laporta breaks into the pizzeria and he then goes about detaching all of the gas lines in the store. Yeah. They close the they close the back door. They get into the car and they drive two blocks away. Luigi doesn't know. He says he doesn't know what's going on. He said, "What? What? What? What are you doing?" He says, "Just wait." About five or ten minutes later, he goes to a payphone. Just how long ago it was, Gary? Actually, a payphone pay on the street. Yeah. <laughs> and Laporta makes a phone call. Gets back in the car. 
Luigi says, who you call? He says, wait, wait. Five seconds later or 10 seconds later, the place, the pizzeria explodes. Yeah. The, 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 the sparks from the old phones, the gasoline, the, the natural gas yeah. all over the place, blew the place apart. Yeah. So that was that was kind of the, you know, the, the, the work that Luigi did up to a certain point. But once again, Gary, he wasn't being made. He wasn't, he was, he, they wouldn't, he was, he said, I'm, I'm stuck. He was a good gambler too. And he, I'm sorry. He was a big gambler, not a, not a successful gambler, <laughs> yeah, but he knew how part. to gamble. Yeah. And, um, and look, and the boss, Lakata had a casino above an illegal casino above his social club. Mm-hmm. And, um, and he was losing money and he didn't know how he didn't know what was going on. They were finding counterfeit bills in, in among the money. So he goes to Luigi one day and he, and he says to him, I know that you know about gambling. I want you to go up to the casino tonight and I want you to watch and you see, and I want you to tell me what's going on. <laughs> so he says, I go up, I watch. He says, Mike, it take me two minutes. I find out what the, what's going on too. He called them a name, which I will not use. And he said, um, they were using, he said, I knew that they had counterfeit money and they were, they were stiffing the, the, when they, when they were playing, yeah. they were playing with counterfeit money and then they were getting good money back. Right. Yeah. So he said, they, they took a break and they went to the bar. I said, what'd you do? He says, I went up to the bar, <laughs> went up to them, tapped them on the shoulder. He says, I know what you're doing. He said, you stopped. And they said, well, who are you? He said, you know, no care who I am. You stop. Do you know, stop. Then I stop you. <laughs> what happened? That was it. They're gone. They never had another counterfeit bill in the place again. <laughs> so now he impressed the boss. The yeah. boss was impressed. And the boss now sent them out to do all kinds of jobs. Another day. And, and this is the point where, that I'm getting to. He's in the, in the social club. And the same casino has, has a dealer who is out sick. And the boss doesn't want to lose the night, the night of gambling. So he says to Luigi, can you deal? And he says, sure. And he knows he can because he's been up there playing forever. And Luigi's a big, big gambler. He said, no worry, I'll take care. So he's now dealing blackjack. And at the table are four made guys, or maybe five. I think maybe it was four, three of them and a, a, and a couple. And Luigi's dealing and he's listening to them talking and they're talking. And he hears them saying, that one of their own, one of the other soldiers needs to be hit. Why? Because he was messing around with the, with the widow of one of their friends and he was, he was raping her and he was also pimping her out. He was putting her out on the street and guys were, he, he was getting money for people to rape, to have sex with her. They said, it's no good, but none of them wanted to do it because he was one of their friends. Luigi said to me, Mike, I says, I know that this is the, this is my, my chance. So he says to them, I'll do it. And he did, hmm. he did. And this is the first hit in America. He, he finds the, he finds out where the guy lives, where he works, gets him in the morning as he's getting into his car, walks up to him with the, with the gun, a gun that he didn't own. He didn't have a gun. He had to go buy a gun from some street bum <laughs> He said it was a, a revolver. He says, I don't even know if it worked. He drove to a very desolate section of Brooklyn on the water. 
in his <laughs> woods to test the gun to see if the gun was going to work. Well, he was work. smart getting a revolver. There's not so many moving pieces. Yeah, they're exactly. pretty simple to work. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And he um, and he, he gets the guy and he shoots him. Guy goes down. He gets in his car and he drives to Atlantic City. It's the first time he did it. Why? Yeah. Because he knew it was far enough away from Brooklyn. He could let the heat die down and then he could come back. This is before Atlantic City had gambling. So he just stayed in a hotel. He had, there were enough women to keep him happy because that was the other thing about Luigi. <laughs> no matter what he looked like, he was a womanizer. He always had, he always had women. Um, and when he comes back, you know, he's killed one of the banana guys, right? When he comes back, he's welcomed as a hero. He said that everybody... Patting him on the back, he said he felt so good because they he did a job, a dirty job for people who didn't want to do it, but it needed to be done. Mm -hmm. He said this guy deserves to be killed. So, so that was the beginning of his um, his career as a hitman, and um, wow. and it was a very successful one, very very successful. So, so you could see. You know, there's more, and I, I don't want to yeah, take a up lot more. You can't tell all the stories in the book. No, there's a, no. I know there's a ton more, so that's yeah, uh, yeah, that's a pretty yeah. good taste of, of so, what's in this book. It's really interesting. Yeah. I have a question here about the whole zip thing and and Carmine Galante and uh, bringing all those guys over because I think it was a couple of of uh, Sicilians who were his bodyguards the day that he got killed, and and it seemed like they ended up having a whole banano section of uh, 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 crew of nothing but Sicilian born and bred people by the end of it. They kind of moved into the Bonanno family as, as yep. a legitimate part of the Bonanno family. Baldo Amato and bone and Cesar bone Ventry were the right. two were got Galante's two bodyguards who were responsible for setting him up to be, yeah. to be killed. And, and I'll tell you that story next May. Hopefully you'll have me back and I'll tell you the story. Yeah. But I also met them because, oh, really? yeah, I was working. I was still in the office. I was in the office at the time when Galante was killed. In fact, I was in the middle. We were, I was in the middle of a softball game. The Homicide Bureau of the DA's office was playing homicide detectives, uh, NYPD detectives in a softball game out in Coney Island and uh, at, a, at a high school field. When I see all of these detectives started to huddle up and they got and they all took off and I and I find out from one of the cops what happened and they said Carmine Galante was just killed in on Knickerbocker Avenue in, in Brooklyn, but here I'll leave you with this, uh, Gary. The reason that his bodyguards turned on him was that they were more loyal to the thing that is most important to the to the mafia, money, money. Yeah, Galante was not sharing and not giving enough money to the other people in the Bonanno family that made them feel like they were partners. Mm -hmm. They knew that they would not be making the kind of money that he was making. He was making millions of dollars a week mm -hmm. in the drug business, millions a week. And that was the plot was, was put together by the new boss. By that point, Peter Licata had gone. The new boss on Knickerbocker Avenue was a guy named Salvatore Catalano. And Catalano was a big drug guy. Mm -hmm. So he fit right in with what Galante was doing, but he wasn't getting the money that they uh, that they wanted. And that's how they set this whole thing up. And um, and you know how things how this is what I always laugh about the day that the bodyguards drove Galante to the restaurant 
Joe and Mary's was the name of the place, a small Italian restaurant in Brooklyn. It was a, it was a hot summer day. These guys, and I'm sure Galante didn't pay attention to it. These guys both were wearing leather jackets. <laughs> and the reason is that when the shooting started later on outside on the patio where they were eating, these guys ducked down behind tables, but they were afraid of getting hit with shrapnel. So they wore these leather jackets, <laughs> jackets. as opposed to short sleeve shirts. So um, remember that mob bosses out there. If your bodyguards show up wearing leather jackets on a really hot day, <laughs> you better think about that, what's going on. <laughs> that's the key. That's the key. But the hit, the hit team, you know, wound up killing the guy that owned the restaurant who had nothing to do with it, killed Galante, shot another um, another person who didn't get out. He was leaving the lunch and he didn't get out fast enough before he was leaving. He had done. He was done eating and he had to go somewhere else and he didn't get out fast enough. He got killed. And um, and that that turned into when the when the press and everyone else started to get there, a guy that I know, a photographer had made his way up to the roof I read that yeah. of the building right next to it and took that famous photograph of Galante sprawled out with his cigar. And his, and the rumor is that he didn't have a cigar that, that to make the it look, put it in his mouth. They put it in that. his mouth. The that would surprise me. Yeah. 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 So, my, my son had a friend that uh, was from New Jersey, went to high school with him and he was back home and I was working in an intelligence unit here. And, and so Eddie sees that picture of Galante with the, you know, with a cigar in his mouth. So he clips it out of a newspaper, brought it back, had it framed and gave it to me. Yeah, I used to have it on the wall in the intelligence unit. So you know very well what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. I, when I, when, when, when we talk again, I'll tell you, I have, a, I have one of the stories involves a, a newer cop too. And I'll, I'll, okay. I'll tell you that next time. I'm going to give you, I'm going to leave a little cliffhanger so you'll have me back and I can tell you. Oh the story. yeah. Oh yeah. I'm going to have you back. Yeah. You, you're, you're like, you've been where the rubber meets the road back East there. And, and uh, I've been where the rubber meets the road in Kansas city, but you're when you've been there in New York. And so I want to get you back on. I like getting that kind of the law enforcement look. We've got all these guys, Franchise and Gravano, and they're like telling all their mob stories. You know, like we got mob right. stories too. So uh. yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> I, I I can tell you about the hit that was put out on me. I had a contract taken out on me at, at some point. And you know, it was um so so it was, you know, it was a it was a fun, a fun time. And and I did a lot of uh, a lot of the work with the detectives. I was the prosecutor. Yeah. I was a lawyer. I didn't, you know, I didn't, wasn't trained. I didn't carry a gun, but I was a hands-on guy. And, and yeah. it, I can't, it came to the point where the detectives sought me out and trusted me. And, um, and if there was a, an issue or a problem um, that they needed dealt, dealt with, you know, in terms of a legal issue, a legal mm -hmm. problem, a search warrant or that, I was the guy that they would, you know, they would call. So um, it was a, it was a fun, I had a really, a very rewarding career at the DA's office. And, um, and I miss it. The yeah. thing that keeps me going though, are these books, I can tell you <laughs> stories. If you, it, you can't see, but if you could look to your, to your right, I got boxes there. I've saved all of my summations. I've saved okay. whatever paper I can have. Yeah. So when I, when I write, I'm in the midst of writing another book right now, it's a, my first, actually I finished it. I'm in the midst of writing book two of a series and it's a it's a it's a fantasy. It's a it's a, a novel. But the crimes that are depicted in the story are all cases of uh, of mine. So I had to come up with a way of linking them together. And that's the fantasy part of it. It's cool. it's about a prosecutor who's 
recruited by a special organization in the federal government to take on an evil force that has come to Brooklyn and is responsible for these horrific debts. And it turns out the evil force is Satan. So it's a battle of good versus evil. So so that's a book called Fallen Angel. Okay, Fallen Angel. Now, Michael, go back over the titles. And and when people look at this video, they'll see the titles. I'll I'll get pictures of them and put them up. So go back over the titles for the audio, guys. the, The Luigi book is called Homicide is by Business. Luigi the Zip, a hitman's quest for honor. That was that's the one that I that came out in November. Yeah. The one that will be out at the end of January is called Fallen Angel, a true crime fantasy. So that's that's that. The one on the mafia cop. It's called Friends of the Family. Friends of the Family. Friends of the Family. And then I did one called Crooked Brooklyn. It was about my years in the as the chief of the uh, rackets division where. I put three Supreme Court judges in jail and, and convicted the head of the Democratic Party in Brooklyn, convicted another <laughs> assemblyman, um, convicted a, a a dentist who lost his license because he became a drug dealer and he became a body snatcher. And he was stealing and taking bone and tissue out of bodies without permission and selling them. It's a it's a very, very long story. That's and that's Crooked Brooklyn. It's, okay. it's wow. all that, of those. That sounds really interesting. Yeah. You, uh, yep. you guys, you and got, I got, you got and, to get that book. <laughs> yep, it's it's available on Amazon, Barnes and Noble. Yeah. All of these are. And um, and one one other one that's not about me, but I did it with a, with my writing partner at the time. It's about a, a, a an agent for the uh, a Veterans Administration who um, latched on to almost by mistake. A, an investigation into a doctor who was accused of killing veterans at the Veterans Hospital here on Long Island. Mm-hmm. And it turns out that he did. He was murdering veterans. I heard that, that led one. him to a second individual in Massachusetts, a nurse who was murdering ve- veterans, which led him to a third and to a fourth. So the huh. book is called Behind the Murder Curtain. And it's um, it's about an agent named Bruce Sackman. And the subtitle is Who, who Hunts? Doctors and nurses who are killing our veterans. So, wow. <coughs> so that's the other one. Well, wow, that's wild. Well, you yeah. got some interesting stuff out there. Well, Michael Vecchioni, I really appreciate you coming on the show, and I look forward to uh, to letting to, to interviewing you again, man. <laughs> It'll be fun. Anytime, Gary. Thank you again for having me. It was my pleasure, and um, and and I love doing this talk. In fact, when I tonight. Actually, in a few hours, I've got another book signing for Homicide is My Business. So I, this was a practice. I'll be talking about this stuff again yeah. tonight. Pretty so, soon, this uh, pretty soon you'll just be like, on, you won't have to do anything. You're just yeah. like, yeah. Exactly. Go, exactly. So right, thank great. you very I really much. I appreciate and, uh, you coming on, Michael. If, if we don't see each other before Christmas, have a Merry Christmas. Yeah, uh, you too. Nice talking to you. You too. All right. Well, you guys know that I ride motorcycles, so don't forget to look out for motorcycles. And if you have a problem with PTSD or you have a friend or relative that does and you've been and you're a vet or they're a vet, why get hold of the Veterans Administration. Go to their website. They have a really good hotline for you and and you can get some help there. So thanks a lot, guys.